Welcome to Red Clay Podcast. I'm your host, Anita. In this episode, we're going to hear a sermon Dr. Fletcher Law gave on February 25th. The sermon is entitled, Parable of the Sower, Matthew 13, 18-23. We hope you enjoy this episode. In our next episode, we will continue our series on how prayer really works according to Scripture. As always, we hope you'll reach out to us with questions, comments, and or prayer requests. Contact us at redclaybooks at gmail.com or on your favorite social media. Hope you have a very blessed day. Now here's Fletcher with the parable of the sower. Thank you so much and thank you for your gift of music this morning to all in the music department. and That's so important. And... Um, I want to thank everybody here at Foothills Community Church for trusting Bart to invite me to preach this morning. Um, that's a big responsibility, and, and Bart said he was uh, preaching a series on love and to preach where I'm led to speak from. And if you uh, are one that follows along with your Bible, it will be in Mark chapter 4. And again, a little bit more about myself. I'm from Gainesville, Georgia. I preach at a place called Good News at Noon, a ministry founded about over 33 or more years ago by Mr. Gene Beckstein, a retired teacher and uh, a great man of love and uh, compassion. As he was homeless at one time, got saved, of all things, uh, by being tempted to go to church on Sunday night. Remember, we used to do that Sunday night. He was bribed because they were having a All-American football player and uh, a doo-wop group, which I guess would be the rap group. If you had DC Talk or something, he goes, hey, I'll go see this rap group. He was changed. His life was changed. And his father uh, and, and his family he had a life of mistreatment, but yet he went, and his service was as a teacher and at age 67 or over 30 years ago. He started our ministry, and we minister to the least and the lost in Gainesville, Georgia, and it's sort of a community ministry where um, over 50 churches supply meals at lunch and evening every day. We have a homeless shelter, children's ministry, and uh, people contribute in so many ways, and I'm in charge of two to three services a week that we have. We have a daily worship service, and um, I schedule the preachers there, so that's a great great uh, ministry, and I'm fortunate to do that while I teach school. Somebody asked me one time, so what's the difference between uh, working with the middle schoolers and the homeless people? I said, well, the homeless people, they're older. You know, we all, we have the same problems and same situations. There might be 12, they might be 62 years old. Um, we have the same situation. I'm glad to have my wife, Kay, supporting me and my son, Graham, and our uh, new daughter-in-law, Mary Catherine. So thank you for the warm welcome here. But again, Dr. Bart said he was preaching a series on love and to preach where I'm led to speak from. And uh, me and Bart, we always go back with each other. I said, gosh, I've never had somebody say, hey, get on this subject. But I said, hey, it's all about love, isn't it? The love of Christ, ultimately. Sometimes it's tough love, just like in the seventh grade classroom. It's tough love. Sometimes in the homeless shelter, it's tough love. And at home, it's maybe not received as love, but what we do is in love. So it's always love in the Bible. The love led Christ to die to pay our sin debt. For who? A mocking, sinful world. But love, we think of the beauty 
You know, it might be have been easier to talk about love yesterday. It was beautiful. You know, it was just gosh, it just kind of lifted everybody's spirits. You know, I'm from Gainesville, and it was just filled up. Everybody going and doing things yesterday. But love is beautiful when seen, and sometimes we need to look for it harder. We need to look for it harder. Nine years ago today, I preached my mother's funeral. It just dawned on me that last night. My mother's funeral a day after my 50th birthday, and I was thinking about my mother's demonstration and mother's demonstrations of love. And, you know, we remember the good times. You know, we can remember the early Christmases as a child. You know, that's just a few days in our life. Great trips and vacations, birthday parties. Those are the good days we see in our mind. But, you know, those, those are just a very few days. Now you've got all the other days. You know, the regular days and seeing the love and receiving that and acting on the love of Christ. When I was growing up, my father worked from dark to dark. You know, he's gone. Sometimes, uh, you know, he didn't even have breakfast with us. He said, well, you know, he's on the way. He got back at, at dark. And, uh, you know, every day he's got a birthday party. You know, growing up, and I, as I miss my mother, my mother loved me and on those regular days. She often had to lay down the law in discipline. Her discipline seriously probably saved me over a hundred times my life by the time I was the age of five. <laughs> I did not see it as love that I could not ride my bike in the street. I couldn't explore the backyard and try to find a way to China. I remember a friend, we were talking about that. We go back here, we'd probably go to China. She wouldn't let us do that. She wouldn't let us play with matches. You know, we did not see that. She handled discipline because of her great love for us promptly. Um, I used to laugh when I'd hear other people talk about moms saying, wait till your father gets home. My mother never uttered those words. You know, we'd had cell phones. We'd been calling, calling dad, you know, get home quick. You know, spare us. It was, uh, she took care of business and um, she loved us. And that love to discipline is what sometimes we don't see as love, and we need to receive that. In our text today, in Mark 4, we will see that the biblical teaching about faith is from Jesus Christ and how we're to apply this faith in the regular days, in the tough days. And understanding, living in faith, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Now, we're going to go over pretty much all of chapter 4. But uh, I hear very often people say about a message, I want to be able to apply the message to real life. You know, that's a challenge, and that's valid. You know, are we just having rituals? That's, we had that for centuries and it chased people away. Rituals, I want to be able to apply this message to real life. I want practical Christianity, because there is a question, why? Why come together for worship? People say, I want something I can use. And here it is. It's from the Word of God. You know, I used to hear the old-time evangelists use phrases about biblical application, like, this is where the rubber meets the road. Well, this is it. This is it, what Jesus is going to equip us with. And we're going to see examples. This is interesting. This is like a lab. We're going to uh, hear what Jesus said we are to do and how we're to receive the gospel. And then we're going to see a situation where the apostles are in there. 
You know, and just like my childhood discipline is not always pretty sometimes or hard to even see, but there is love in real life. That love's got to be on these regular days for us. A regular stormy day with love applied, no matter how hard we try, sometimes it's hard to see, but we see it. We're going to look at Mark 4, and I'm going to read uh, Mark 4, 35 through 41, and a few things I want to say before we read that scripture. First, we're going to read the application of a lesson of Jesus. An application of a lesson of Jesus about faith in kingdom living. Jesus taught, then the disciples did something. But here's the problem. They're going to goof up. They're going to goof up in their application. And he loves and he teaches them again, just like a mother, just like a great parent, a father, even after their mistakes. This again proves why I believe the Bible's, you know, the literal truth of God. You know, the disciples, they could have changed it. You know what I'm saying? They had the stories. Peter, would you have wrote that story about yourself denying Jesus at the cross as he's dragging the cross through Golgotha on Golgotha? They mess up, and Jesus corrects them. But again, this proves that the, while the Bible is... Well, another reason I say the, the Bible is true, the, the disciples, they keep messing up all the time. And Jesus corrects them. And loves them and is patient, just like my mother did. The Washington, the Washington Generals, does anybody know who that is? You know who you do? You know who the, the Harlem Globetrotters are? And you know they're the ones that they play. The Washington Generals play the Globetrotters all the time. And if you've seen it throughout the years on TV or maybe you've been to, you know, they keep falling for the same tricks, right? You know, every game when the Globetrotters Bounces the ball between their legs, does the running ball trick, does all the tricks, and they keep falling for it over and over. But this is the way the apostles are. They don't get it. And we're saying, you know, we're here, you know, we talk to the Lord, I'm praying, I'm doing all I can, I just don't understand. These disciples, they saw it. They heard it from Jesus' lips. They heard it, and yet they still did not get it. Now we're going to read the result of teaching, and then we're going to study the teaching. But from Mark 4, verse 35 to 41. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. Filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? He's corrected them. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Is how Jesus was busting on them? Yes, he was. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, how could Jesus say that? You know, you're going, how do we know you can do that? And he gives them a stern blast. How is it that you have no faith? Why? He just taught about faith. And they went out, there was a time for application, and they failed. 
When did this calamity happen to the disciples where they are fearful for death, of death in, a, in the Sea of Galilee of, of a shipwreck? Right after G, Jesus gave a simple, clear, and extensive lesson on faith in kingdom living. You've heard the parable of the sower. I'm going to review just the highlights of that, the parable of the sower. The disciples missed the teaching through parables, and then we know there's stories that contain spiritual truth, and Jesus breaks down the parables of the sower. He explained it to them bit by bit. He explained it, broke it down. Mark uh, 4.13, and he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? He gave them a short series of parables and an extensive one about the sower, and then they went into their situation and they failed. Verse 14, he says, the sower sows the word. Now, we've been in church, and I understand the history of this church. The Southern Baptist Convention, State Convention started this. So I assume this is not the first time you've ever heard this, you know, about the parable of the sowers. You've probably heard it over and over. You've probably had a vacation Bible school lesson over. You've had adult Sunday school lessons about this. You've heard this. You probably say, okay, we know this, one, two, three, four. But the the sower sows the seed. The Word of God. And Jesus breaks it down to them. He goes, the seed is the Word of God. There's four responses to the Word of God. In a parable. And Jesus told them this parable. And then later again, actually if you read the whole thing, I challenge you to read Mark 4 here today. He tells them the parable. Kind of like my mom talking to me. I didn't get it. Then I say again, I teach you to seventh graders and at a homeless shelter. You wonder, are you not getting it or are you not wanting to get it? I worked in an alternative school one time. And that's, uh, I know we've got somebody in the law profession here, but the alternative school, that's a little different. School setting. There's legal ramifications. I was repeating the rules to these guys. One of the guys told me, he said, you don't have to tell us the rules. We know the rules. We just don't want to do them. I thought, gosh, at least the guy's telling the truth now. He don't want to do them. I didn't want to do them. My mama told me. And then the, the, the disciples, maybe they just didn't want to do the work. Jesus told them the parable of the sower. And they, you know, one of them kind of said, we don't get it. He breaks it down. Four responses. That seed, the Word of God, comes, and these are the ones by the wayside where the Word is sown. When they hear Satan coming immediately and takes away the Word that was sown in their hearts. In other words, you didn't give it a chance. Never had a chance. You heard it, you know, just like maybe your mom said, out in one ear, out the other. Oh, well, it's good, but I wonder what's for lunch today. You know, I can... I can wrestle with this Word of God, let it examine me and change me, or out the wayside. Number two, the stony ground. Verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the Word, immediately they receive it with gladness. Hey, this is good stuff. You know, I'm at a homeless shelter, and sometimes the guy say, I need to get baptized. Have you ever been baptized? He goes, you know, seven times. You know, I take breaks, too, from my ministry, and I'll have a sub, and always about three or four guys come to the forward and get saved. 
And I asked the guy who they were. It's the same three or four guys that always do. You know, they might be asking for a dollar after they get come down to the preacher because you feel good when people, you know, come down to get saved. It doesn't last. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, but they have no root. They don't know if they're saved or not. They kind of were, but you know, they've been to a lot of revival services, a lot of churches, a lot of missionaries, a lot of, a lot of things. But they didn't let roots take in. They didn't trust God to be God. And so endure only for a time, Scripture says. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. It didn't work. It didn't work for the person that gave it a time, and then the person on the stony ground wouldn't let the root set in. And he said, then there's the thorns. That would have been more my situation as a young adult. There's the thorns. You, you, you don't let that seed come in you know, from the beginning into the front door, the wayside, the stony ground, and now the thorns. These are the ones who sown, ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. In other words, a man that tried to live in two kingdoms. You can't serve two masters. You'll, you know that. You'll cling to one, you'll hate the other. So you've got the wayside, you've got the stony ground, you've got the thorns. The person, you know, the, but the world's like this. And that was my trouble, my problem, coming out of high school like you know, when I went to the nice Baptist church, we had RAs, GAs, we had all the programs. I was in all of them. You know, it was, it was, I don't know, it's something good. You need everybody in choir. I know you want everybody in choir. You don't need everybody in choir. I was in the graded choir. I didn't need to be in there. But I was in there. We were as into the Baptist way of life as there, there was. And I saw this and I'd see this. Well, this is not the way everybody else is doing it. Am I cheating myself? I'd be, I'd be split. I was in the thorns. I was let the thorns of the world affect what I needed to do. So we, I've told you the three bad ways to receive the word. At the wayside, you don't give it a chance. The stony ground, you sort of halfway committed. And then the thorns of the world, you're going to reason it away. Then Jesus says, this is how it works. This is how it works. You've got to have the good ground, the good soil, S-O-I-L. The good ground. And that's your heart. That's your heart. It's got to be able to grow. Have any of y'all ever seen that old time movie? And I love it. It's real corny. Sergeant York. You know, they're up there and they talk about the, you know, the land is cheap up in the Rocky Mountains. But the, the, the land in the holler, as he said, you know, that's where it could grow. And, you know, that's one of the things before he... Uh, very interesting. It shows a man getting saved and coming to the Lord in that movie. But in this, his goal was, before he went to the army and became an American war hero, just somehow selling moonshine or whatever, he wanted to have enough where he could get the, the good soil, the good dirt. He'd have it made then, then he'd be somebody. Jesus said, you know, you've got, you've got to have that good soil, not that, that rocky, the thorny, the stony, or the wayside. We need that good soil. You've got to let the seeds of faith grow in you. You know, the great Billy Graham, who I named my son after, he passed away this week. I've heard people say, you know, well, that's Billy Graham. You know, he's got faith. He's got faith. We're given faith. You know, it doesn't say faith, but, but these seeds are faith. And he let them grow. He let them grow. 
You know, Michael Jordan's usually considered the greatest basketball player in the world, but, you know, he could, has an unbelievable jumping range ability. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that have that. They never played college basketball, NBA. He had talent, but he developed that talent. And that's legendary, his relentless pursuit of develop, developing that talent. You've got faith, the same faith everyone has gotten, but you've got to be the one to decide where is that seed of faith going to go. Is it going to be on the wayside, the stony ground, the thorns? Are you going to reason it away? Are you going to give it good ground in your heart? Jesus went on to talk about parables. Then he said, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That's against the American way. You know, we're supposed to help everybody and you don't do that. But hey, you the more you give to that seed of faith, the more you're going to get. That's the only thing where it, it really encourages effort here. Let it happen. Give the effort to let God be God in your life. Later on, he's told the parable of the growing seeds. You know, man sleeps and the Lord grows it. That's against the American way. He said, you know, we, we do some clumsy attempts at sharing the gospel. But when Charles Spurgeon was shared, they said, you know, it snowed out. It snowed out in, in England in the 1800s. And they said some guy that could probably hardly read, he got up there and said one verse. And, and one of the greatest evangelists of all time was converted. You know, we, we share the gospel. God's in charge of the results. You know, does that scare you to share the gospel? I'll be truthful. I, I think everybody would be fibbing if they didn't believe that. I, I've studied extensively the life of B Billy Graham, and he was scared to start off sharing the gospel. He was scared. It, it's, it, you know, it's kind of hesitant. It's kind of hesitant. Or do we have confidence that God's, God is God? You know, we don't want to be in charge of the results. You know, it's great. You know, people do come forward after a service and you feel good. And I used to think, you know, is that like a baseball card? Did anybody collect baseball cards when they're younger? And especially the pitchers, you know, what do they have on the... That's not a big a statistic as it used to be, but on pitchers like Phil Necro, he was my hero, wins and losses. You know what I'm talking about? How many games did you win? And he was a Hall of Famer. How many games did you lose? Now, I want to get all the credit in the world for the wins. Here's the thing. I might get... What do I get all the credit for the losses? That's the good news. God's in charge of that. He's in charge of all of it. He's in charge. When we share the seed of the word, he'll let it grow. This short parable says, man sleeps, the Lord grows it. And then it talks about the parable of the mustard seed. Everybody knows that one. As small as the mustard seed is, it says, and then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed which is sown on the ground. It is smaller than all the seeds on the on earth, but when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. He said, "Man, this faith when it grows, you aren't going to believe what it's going to be able to do." So then again, I'm telling you about about this faith. We've already read about the apostles. Boom, they dropped the ball. Boom, they it fell. They, you know, the honor students, they failed the quiz. Why parables again? To get ready for life. Jesus used the parables. And with such many parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. 
but without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to them. He explained all things to them. He broke it down. He bro- Again, let's return to that short passage. That short passage. They'd heard the message. They had it retaught to them. And they heard this message about faith. And they were going out on the ocean, into the ocean. The sea, actually. The Sea of Galilee, which is a huge ocean. Ship, being shipwrecked. Storms were a real thing. Again, on the same day, when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Jesus was traveling in his ministry. Verse 36, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling Filling up with water. But he was in the stern, also on a pillow. That's interesting. He's in the stern, which I'm no boat person. That's the back of the boat. On a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? How about this for the lesson? They didn't say, Lord Jesus, what? how do we apply faith here? No, they got actually sarcastic to them. They got sarcastic to them. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They just talked about faith. It's time to apply it. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Maybe they had some better ideas of how to do it. Wait a second. I'm saying my prayers today. Now I'm telling you, Jesus, how you're going to do it. It doesn't work that way. I've shared that many times and I, I... I still shudder when I think about this, but earlier in my ministry, I was first pastoring a church in another denomination. A woman came to me and said, uh, Pastor, you need to counsel my husband. He used to come to church on Wednesday nights and all that stuff. You need to counsel my husband. I went, oh my goodness, I didn't even think about the counseling part of being a pastor. And then she added, and this is what I want you to tell him. I was going, you know, I'm, I don't claim to be a biblical counselor. But I don't believe that's how it works. Jesus, I received this faith and now this is how you're going to do it. And we said earlier, right, in the scripture, there's other small boats around that boat. I never picked that up until I was focusing on this message. There are other boats. I'm sure they said, well, there's other boats. Why don't you weigh some of them over and they can, you know, we can get on the, the boats that aren't filling up with water. And maybe you don't want to be sleeping back there on that pillow. I mean, they were whining at him. I mean, they, that was um, in there. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They didn't say, hey, Jesus, we're afraid. What do you have for us? Don't you care if we're perishing? They got an attitude with them. Then what does Jesus do? Then he arose in verse 39 and rebuked the wind. You know, I'm at a homeless shelter. I'm not saying this to make fun of people by any means. And we see that. And I talk to myself all the time. That's a trait I have. Walking around the corner. used to even talk to my little pugs and, you know, going in there. But you'll see some people talking to themselves. And you're going, okay, you're concerned. 
And then you always ask him, well, you know, what are they saying back? What's this conversation going this? But here's Jesus. After he t- talks to people, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Man, you think there's a better teacher than Jesus? You think there's a better preacher than Jesus? Remember the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus and said, Good master, what must I do to have eternal life? He said, Keep the commandments. They went on. And remember the good, you know, he didn't answer the altar call, did he? The rich young ruler walked away. And that's when the disciples said, Who can be saved? That was one of the good ones. You know, that would have been a great tithe. This was somebody in the community, and you let him get away. There's not a better teacher than Jesus. There's not a better preacher than Jesus. And they refuse to get it. And all I can say to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Because earlier he said, what? Peace, be still. Who's he talking to? Who's he talking to them? So we have some people that talk to each other. Peace, be still. He's talking to air. Jesus taught the air when the storms were coming. Peace, be still. Here's one thing that's different from the crazy, what we perceived crazy person or myself going around talking to myself. The air heard him. That's a little different. The air communicated with him. It did exactly what he told it to do. Peace, be still. He talked to water. The water is a little different. The disciples. It did what he told it to do. It stopped. Peace be still, and the wind ceased. There was a great calm, but he said to them, Why are you so fearful? But I have to admit, they're just men, but you got me. Because we're getting ready to die, Jesus? Because <laughs> that would have been the reason? We're getting ready to drown, which I assume is a very painful death. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He just taught about faith. And they feared exceedingly then. And they said, who can this be? They've been with them. We know we've all been to these Sunday school lessons in about three and a half years. This is somewhere into that ministry. A lot of stuff had gone on before. Sight given to the blind, dead people coming out of caskets. And now they're going, well, I didn't know he could do this. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? What, even the wind and the sea obey him. We remember the King James Version. What manner of man is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. We don't, but the wind and sea does. So that's, I hope that's a, that inverse logic there will understand. The elements obey Jesus Christ. He told us to have faith. He didn't tell us how to do it. God loves us. That's some hard love. He loved those disciples. Just like my mom had to get on me. He loved those disciples. And just like somebody, I remember here in the old country school where I was a pastor at, a pastor at in South Hall, one of the guys say, Boy, you're hard to learn. You're hard to learn. Those disciples, they were hard to learn. God loves us. Our moms loved us. 
did things that we not see as loving, but had to teach us. He asked us to receive the gospel, the word, the seed. He asked you that to have received it to what to, to share that gospel. The seeds will grow. Trust it. It's hard to trust. It's hard to trust. It's hard to share the gospel. It's hard to hear people that you know that will mock and make fun of it. How do I go back and get that? How am I going to share the, the, the word, the seed with them? How? That's hard. It's easy to say, you know, we can sing our worship songs are inspired, but when we get out there, as they say, the rubber meets the road. That's hard. God loves us. He asks us to receive the gospel, the word. We have many responses and in the, in the, in one right response. Receive it. Believe it. Trust in the gospel. Trust in Jesus Christ. Let it grow. Not to be corny, what was that uh, song that drove everybody crazy? Let it go or something a few years ago? Let it grow. Let Jesus be Jesus. That's the easy part. We've got three bad ways and one good response to this. Let Jesus be Jesus. Sometimes we don't like God's way. We've got to understand that. We don't like God's way. We had other plans. Jesus, you, this is why you should have done it. I'm bitter. I'm bitter at life because I didn't want this situation to happen, the loss of this loved one, this sickness, this other thing, my, my personal situation. I'm bitter. I had it all figured out. You didn't do it. Or we can go to the fourth way. We can receive it, the word, the seed, the gospel, and let God grow in us. And let him be God. Let him be Jesus. Let him be the Holy Spirit. And understand we see things in a natural way. We don't want people to die. We don't want people to get sick. We don't. I would share it with my coworker, but I've heard him blaspheme the Lord in casual conversation. I didn't have enough fortitude to say, you know, don't blaspheme the Lord's name. I'm hearing stuff. I know I'd be mocked. How am I going to share the gospel with somebody like that? Nothing will ever get better because that guy's such a, you know, we can just kill ourselves, can't we, as Christianity? Well, you know, on Saturday Night Live, they make fun of Jesus. Don't watch Saturday Night Live. When somebody talks to you about him, start talking about Jesus. Well, you know, on the news or the president or somebody, it don't matter what they're doing, Jesus is still going to be Jesus, right? No matter how the election went last time, Jesus is still going to be Jesus. No matter who's going to be the next president, Jesus is still going to be Jesus. We look at it, we rationalize it, and we do all three things. We let it go by the wayside. We don't let roots sink in. We let the worries of the world choke it out in the gospel. And then we... Have a better idea. You know, it used to be what Ford has had a better idea, some kind of slogan for the cars. We've got a better idea. We got a better idea than Jesus. And here's the way. Here's the way it naturally should have worked. But here's another problem with our understanding, our simple understanding. We're in the natural, right? God's in the supernatural. God is spirit. The Holy Spirit is obviously spirit. Jesus is ascended to heaven in full body and force. 
Yeah, they can suspend time. They can do it the way they want to do it. And when we're consulted, we're going to mess it up. Let, let it grow. We need to understand that fourth way. Let it happen. When we receive the gospel, understand it. See things in our, we see things, stop seeing them in our natural way, knowing that Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, operate in the supernatural like love. We can't understand that. Why would my mother keep up with me like that? Boy, that was frustrating. Why would Jesus keep up with those disciples when they continually failed them? We see this love, and we can see it in history on Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Trust Jesus and his love. Prepare, prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. Today you might need to join this church, and of course that's something the deacons and the organization of this church need to do. Some of y'all haven't taken that step, I just imagine. I don't know everybody here. I've been warmly welcomed, but I know the case as a pastor. I had a guy 20 years that was in my church who wouldn't do it. He wouldn't get baptized and all that. I was going, what kind of agony was he going through? Just do it. You're going to be warmly received. You know that. If you need to join this church today, do so. Do you need to be a candidate for baptism? Do so. Trust Jesus. That's obedience. Here's another thing that might be hard because you've rationalized it out. Maybe everybody, you know, you've already figured it out. So you don't need, need to let Jesus be Jesus. You know, I, I've been going to church all my life and I went to all that stuff. Or all these people, they've been in church a long time. They might laugh at me and they're going to say, oh my gosh, this guy's a pagan heathen. Well, you are, but you need to get saved. We all were. You might need to be saved. Know that Jesus is Jesus Christ who died on the cross and he paid your sin debt. So you will be in the kingdom. You know, Jesus was teaching about spreading those seeds for the kingdom. This kingdom is for you to live in now. Yes, there is a heaven we'll live in with him where Jesus dwells forever. But you need to be with him. So again, as I'm getting ready to close, I want you to... Meditate on pray what, what you need to do. Do you need to join this church? Do you need to be baptized? Do you need to become a, a full member in there? And most importantly, do you need to be born again? You might need to trust Jesus this morning come down or to break barriers in your life. And like I say, I know we had a time of prayer here, but I'll be glad to pray with you personally about any problems or barriers to break through Jesus Christ. I'm going to close in prayer, then we'll turn it over to the church leadership to close out our service in song. But let's pray right now. Dear Lord, you are so awesome. We, we look to you at your place in heaven, but you're not far away. Even though you are in heaven, Jesus Christ, you sent your Holy Spirit who's always with us, dwelling, and he comes to us. Filling us with truth and wisdom and life, but also with conviction to turn, to turn away from that danger. Just as a small child, when I'd be in danger, my mother, I would not see it as love that she would turn me from that danger. Lord, we're praying right now that people will receive those seeds. Those that have received those seeds of the gospel, the word, will let that grow into full faith, that they will join this church, that they will be baptized, and they will know once and for all they are born again and their sin debt is paid. Lord, we want you to empower us. So many things bother us in this world today in a spirit of fear. 
It talks about curses and blessings in, in your word, Lord, and you break those curses. The blood of Jesus breaks every curse. Lord, we just encourage people to come forward this morning to pray. To receive that love of Jesus and also to get through the barriers of their life. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you care for us. Let the soul of our hearts be open to you. Our perfect and loving supernatural Father, we love you. Thy will be done. In Jesus' saving name we pray. Amen.